morning. I'm Annika Colbert. It's Wednesday, April 20th. San Diego's probation department in violation of state law. More on that next, but first, let's do the headlines. A new report found that violent crime went up in San Diego County last year. The report comes from the San Diego Association of Governments, or SANDAG. It found a 3% increase in homicides, with more than 30% of those tied to arguments. The SANDAG report also found increases in rape and crimes against seniors. However, the agency also notes that overall crime rates in 2021 were at historic lows for the region. The San Diego City Council voted 8-1 to one last night to sell Tailgate Park near Petco Park in downtown. The plans for it aim to redevelop it from a five-acre parking lot into a community area with retail and residential space. The development is called East Village Quarter. The San Diego Padres will buy the lot for just more than $35 million. A number of people spoke against the project, saying it wasn't the best use for the land and that the deal was practically a giveaway to the lead developer, which happens to be the Padres. San Diego County Supervisor Nathan Fletcher took a test flight in a new firefighting helicopter on Tuesday. He wants his fellow supervisors to approve spending $16 million on the twin-engine helicopter. With two engines, if one goes down, the other one's still going, so you can fly at night. And we have a lot of times where we need these helicopters up at night fighting fires. The supervisors will consider the proposal next week. From KPBS, you're listening to San Diego News Now. Stay with me for more of the local news you need. Hello, podcast listener. Full disclosure, I'm going to make some assumptions about you. This probably isn't the only podcast you enjoy. Blink if I'm right. (laughs) It's probably not the only thing you watch or listen to on KPBS either. If I'm right about that, then I'm guessing you make it a point to check in on a regular basis to see what's new, take in the latest and greatest, and then you go back to your daily life until we happily come together again. We're sort of like a virtual buffet. When you're hungry for information and entertainment, you go to KPBS and want to eat, uh, consume all you can, right? Well, you should know that when you become a member of KPBS, You're keeping the entire TV, radio, and online trays full of fresh ideas, like the tasty podcast you're enjoying right now. Help feed your appetite for KPBS. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click the blue Give Now button, and make a donation. Thank you. San Diego's probation department has been violating state regulations that protect juvenile defenders. iNewsource reporter Jill Castellano has the story. Under state law, youth in juvenile detention centers can only be locked in their rooms if they present an immediate danger to themselves or others. But in January, the state corrections board found that San Diego probation officers were locking juveniles in their rooms unnecessarily, sometimes for more than four hours, without a clear justification. Sandy McBrayer is the CEO of the Children's Initiative. She said that confinement like this can have long-term consequences for children. There is a body of research that has demonstrated room confinement for young people can cause anxiety, stress, and trauma. McBrayer's nonprofit has been working with the county to overhaul its youth detention centers. Equally important 
is for staff to put strategies in place that limit room confinement and support de-escalation and positive relationship building. Nathan Fletcher, chair of the County Board of Supervisors, told iNewsource that he's taking the violations seriously and, quote, we must do better. In response to the findings, officials are implementing trainings, checklists, and a new oversight process. For KPBS, I'm iNewsource investigative reporter Jill Castellano. iNewsource is an independently funded nonprofit partner of KPBS. A federal judge in Florida overturned the mask mandate for travelers that was put in place in January of 2021 to prevent the spread of COVID-19. KPBS reporter Kitty Alvarado checked in with our local airport and MTS about what this means for them. It's the day after a federal judge scrapped the mass transit mask mandate. For San Diego and David Morrison, this makes no difference. We still are in a pandemic. I am not going to go riding on the bus, the trolley, public transportation, the airlines and take my mask off. To be clear, the trolley run by the Metropolitan Transit System still requires masks, but the North County Transit District does not. This shows why the federal ruling is sure to confuse people. It allows every transit system and airline to make their own rules. Masks are also optional at the San Diego International Airport. Airport spokesperson Sabrina Lopiccolo says it's important to call your airline on the place you're visiting before your trip. Whether you're traveling domestically, internationally, there's going to be different rules. Just do your due diligence before you arrive at the airport. Kitty Alvarado, KPBS News. The Biden administration says it'll only appeal the ruling if the CDC thinks it's necessary. In an effort to combat a rise in deaths among San Diego's homeless population, a Chula Vista outreach group is creating a street medicine team to serve the health needs of unhoused South Bay residents. The nonprofit Community Through Hope will soon be providing emergency relief services, wound care, hygiene products, food, and other items to residents of encampments in the region. Bella Martinez is the Community Through Hope program director. She spoke to KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. Here's that interview. So what inspired you to take part in this effort and to help establish this program? I think for our entire agency, there was a vast importance of this program to kind of combat the criminalization that we've been seeing for our unsheltered clients, to kind of approach it in a different way, to rebuild trust and to approach things from a medical angle. It helps our clients have self-sufficiency to be able to take care of themselves and to take care of their neighbors. Can you break down what kind of services street medicine can offer? I mean, what does this look like on the person-to-person level? Our agency in itself is a gap services agency. So we help with um, kind of the things to navigate the system to self-sufficiency. So we do DMV vouchers, we do snack bags, hot meals, we do hygiene kits. um, And those are the things, dog and cat food, those are the things that we take out with us when we go on outreach to see our clients. Um, But what's even more exciting is that now we will be going out with a, um, a nurse from, a public health nurse from the County of San Diego and later on going out with more resident doctors from uh, Point Loma Nazarene University um, with us to be able to kind of add an extra element of care to help alleviate the rates of visits to the hospital through the ambulances. Um, 
but those are the things that we do. So we come out with hot meals, we come out with snack bags, come out with dog food, blankets, clothes. This program is going to be a partnership with the county's Department of Health and Human Services. What kind of resources are they providing to your team? So HSSA is having a public health nurse come out with us um, so we can address things in the moment with our clients. How has the need for street medicine increased in recent years? Um, it's, it's vital. I mean, about a few months ago, we actually lost one of our clients. Um, he suffered respiratory issues. He was 47. His name was Eric. And he was very loved by his encampment and his community. He had a wonderful dog named Hellboy. And he died on top of his oxygen tank. If his community had more information about how to take care of him and to take care of themselves, his death could have been prevented. So the need is extraordinary for a program like this. What are the kinds of health challenges that members of the homeless population typically face? A lot of them are suffering from open festering wounds, which is something that we can address. Um, A lot of them suffer from, you know, drug and alcohol issues, which is we provide Narcan. A lot of them are suffering from diabetes and things that can be addressed um, through a public health nurse. As someone who's homeless, you get a cut on your leg. What happens? Well, what happens is that if you don't have the proper tools to clean that wound, it gets infected. It gets worse. It leads to other issues like deep infection, which can put you in the hospital. And if people have access to be able to treat that immediately, then we get to lower the rates of trips to the hospital, which is a goal. So how accessible then is your program to people? We go out once a week. Um, We're here at our site at 465 C Street, uh, Monday to Friday from nine to four. Clients can walk in and get services directly, but we also go out every single week to check on our clients and meet them where they're at. In your experience, have you found that some people are hesitant to engage with outreach services? Especially in Chula Vista, um, there's been a broken trust between the unsheltered community and outreach workers, specifically through the hot team here in Chula Vista. There's been a, a broken trust between the police and who are out there supposed to be helping our unsheltered clients. So a lot of times people are hesitant. A lot of our programming in the first um, phase of South Bay Street Medicine was to rebuild that trust. Sometimes they see outreach workers and they don't want to talk to them because they think that they're going to get in trouble. But when they see us in our blue and green shirts, they know that we're here to help and not to hurt. And that was Community Through Hope Program Director Bella Martinez. She was speaking with KPBS Midday Edition host Jade Hindman. Land where an abandoned factory used to stand in southeastern San Diego is now being looked at as a model for community-based redevelopment. KPBS Speak City Heights reporter Jacob Ayer has more. The decades-long redevelopment of southeast San Diego's Market Creek Plaza is being touted as the first project in the U.S. to be designed, built, and partly owned by neighborhood residents. The Urban Land Institute hosted a walking tour and a panel at the site Tuesday. According to RISE San Diego President Tony Young, one issue that came up is how to address the future of housing in the neighborhood. How do we find a balance to build product that they can't afford without creating just a whole bunch of low-income housing that maybe creates some more difficult issues for us? The nonprofit Jacobs Center for Neighborhood Innovation says the long-term goal of the redevelopment project is to create economic opportunity without displacing locals or fueling inequities. 
Jacob Ayer, KPBS News. Coming up, La Jolla Playhouse's Without Walls or Wow Festival inspires artists with an invitation to reimagine what theater can be, and it returns starting tomorrow. We'll have that and more just after the break. Hey, 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 this is Parker Edison, host of the Parker Edison Project on KPBS. The cool thing about joining KPBS is you make one simple donation, and that money ripples into supporting everything else you see and hear on KPBS, including podcasts like this one you're listening to right now, making a place for fresh voices and perspectives to be heard. And that's music to my ears. Become a member today. Just go to kpbs.org, click that blue Give Now button, and donate what you can, all right? Thanks. More than half of California voters would be willing to pay more for items that didn't contain single-use plastics. That's according to a new poll. Those voters will have an opportunity to vote on exactly that in November, with a ballot measure that would require all single-use plastics in the state to be recyclable. But as KCRW's Daryl Satzman reports, business and trade groups are expected to put up a big fight. The poll by the environmental group Oceana reveals more than 90% of California voters are concerned by the damage wrought by plastic pollution, and almost as many support government policies to reduce single-use plastics, which make up most of the plastic pollution that finds its way into the ocean. The November ballot measure would require all single-use plastics to be recyclable or reusable by the end of the decade. Think shopping bags, utensils, and product packaging. The proposal is backed by environmental groups whose efforts to get a law passed in the legislature have been stymied by powerful business lobbies. This time around, groups like the California Chamber of Commerce and the California Retailers Association are expected to wage a fierce fight to defeat the measure, saying it would cost individual consumers hundreds of dollars a year as businesses have no choice but to pass along their higher costs. I'm Daryl Satzman in Los Angeles. La Jolla Playhouse returns to a live, in-person, without walls or WOW festival starting tomorrow. WOW offers interactive and sight-inspired theater from local, national, and international performers. The Playhouse describes the festival as, quote, an invitation to reimagine what theater can be through intriguing and playful experiences. KPBS arts reporter Beth Accomando spoke with some of the artists for a preview of the event. Sometimes the most liberating thing for artists is to put constraints on them. I am inside of the box, which is my set. This is a two by three by three little box, and this is where I do the entire 90-minute show. (laughs) 
Dominique Salerno put constraints on herself in order to create a tiny site-specific stage that she could take with her anywhere. Like I wanted to defy limitations by throwing them right into my like creative space. So for me, playing around in this little space has been just a godsend for my creativity and my imagination. Salerno will be presenting the aptly titled The Box Show at this year's Without Walls or Wow Festival. It's hard to pin down exactly what the show is about. I would say the show is about imagination, exploration, and joy, and really pushing yourself to see the dark and the light that can come out of like real creativity. Creativity loves constraints. That's Bridget Roundtree of Animal Cracker Conspiracy. When you don't have everything at your fingertips, there becomes a certain necessity to use what's readily available, or in the case of site responsive work, to have the ability to respond and think on your feet and creatively solve problems, which I feel like is absolutely part of any artistic process. Animal Cracker Conspiracy had to respond to the daunting demands of a wide-open outdoor space, says Roundtree's co-conspirator Ian Gunn. We love site-specific theater. Just having that attitude of like the show must fit in the space somehow is great. For its transmythical show at WOW, Animal Cracker Conspiracy needed something big to stand out at Liberty Station. We're going to have stilt puppeteers on four legs. So they're going to be four-legged animals winged with hybrid animal heads and horns, hooves, tails, and they'll be in the mix. There will also be a couple of giant undersea creatures 12 feet tall and carried by a single performer on a backpack. Which I think has the ultimate wow factor. Just because you can see it from so far away and you don't see it every day. The show will be a procession, says Gunn. Through sound and movement, we're going to invite the audience to join us for a short walk and a celebratory moment. By calling it transmythical, the idea is that we're going to draw a bridge across as many mythologies as possible and try to create something new. Creating something new is also at the heart of the Frontera Project, an interactive bilingual experience performed by Mexican and U.S. artists. It engages the audience in a conversation about life on the border. Jesus Quintero says WOW offers a new and different way of presenting theater. Traditional rules of conduct no longer apply. There's no chance for, like, sit down and relax and be ho hoping that there will be, like, a curtain or that a light that will... Uh, protect you and or, or, or direct the sight of the viewer of the, of the audience. Ramon Verduga adds that the Frontera Project also asks the audience to engage with the play in new ways. When the audience come to the stage, the audience participate writing in the floor of the stage and they complete the experience. I think this is very important because the audience is part, it's an important part of the show. And the audience can also complete the experience by coming with both an open mind and the imagination to fill in the blanks, says Salerno. I think festivals like these are really freeing because it reminds us that theater can be anywhere, anything, with like any people gathering in a room or in a space or in a field. Or in a box that allows you to challenge expectations by bringing your own walls to wow an audience at La Jolla Playhouse's Without Walls Festival. Beth Accomando, KPBS News. La Jolla Playhouse's Without Walls or Wow Festival runs Thursday through Sunday at Arts District Liberty Station. 
that's it for the podcast today. As always, you can find more San Diego news online at kpbs.org. I'm Anna Kukulbert. Thanks for listening and have a great day.